0: From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories,
1: affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's <laughs> name. Uh, who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles. Hidden equations, history, and laughs—it actually makes learning pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Now I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was, with like cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, my son also enjoyed all the math involved; like he thought it was really cool.
1: Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday.
0: So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods welcome to the no guilt mom podcast i'm your host joanne crown joined here
1: by the lovely Bree tucker oh why well, hello hello everybody how are you
0: joanne and brianne
1: I know. oh <laughs> yeah you know what's funny people don't know about us is that we both have a capital letter in the middle of our name ai hates us <laughs> they never get our names right
0: no no, it always happens like that. It's it's tons of spelling errors and E's added on that don't belong or no E's added on in the case of your name.
1: Well, yeah, right. And I will say this, our friendship is built on many things, but one of them, too, that I very much cherish about us is that you understand the plight of having a capital letter in the middle of your name. It's uh-huh. okay that not everybody experiences. Uh-huh. <laughs> not everyone experiences. It's and, yeah. a trauma. <laughs> I can't tell you. Growing up, everybody being like, oh, no, that that's I didn't want your middle name. It's not my middle name. do not, not my middle name. Or like seeing the capital letter and thinking like there's a space between it. Mm-mm, there's uh, no space, right? <laughs> like, nay, nay. Yeah. Nay, nay, I say. I know how to spell my name. I'm 32 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I threw yeah, that in no. there. I was still getting better about it in my
0: 30s. At 32, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the things we have, the things we have. Well, today's guest is great for all of the emotions that we needed to do yeah. of raising teenagers Yeah, teenagers. Because,
1: because they bring up all of the emotions, all uh-huh. of the emotions. And it also brings up that killer guilt that you must be doing it wrong because you're having yes. all these emotions. And they hit you right in the feels,
0: like those feelings that I had as a teen of rejection, how teens treat each other. And the feeling of being rejected by your teen brings me right back to middle school. And it's unbelievable how easy those feelings are triggered when they've been dormant for so long.
1: I kind of come back to, I find myself when I've had a rough go of it with my teens, going back to looking at pictures of them when they were like four and five and I was the world. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's where I go back to. I just go back to like, why can't they just go back to being like that? And,
0: oh, like, yeah, because well, they need to grow. My daughter sent me, like, a meme she found on Instagram the other day, and it said, I'm so glad I spent tens of thousands of dollars on my bachelor and master's degree just to have my four-year-old daughter tell me how wrong I am.
1: Oh, I know, right? Oh, yeah, like, replace that with my 14-year-old 14. daughter. Tell me how I don't understand. Yeah,
0: but in the case of my daughter, it's been happening since she was four.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> She
0: knows it. She admits it. So that's oh, all my that got. It's all about being right, man. Our interview with Cheryl Gould, if you're getting attitude from your kids right now, this is a must listen. She has a solution that may be the cause of it, a common problem that you'd see. And if you don't know Cheryl Gould, she is the founder of Moms of Tweens and Teens. She's a parent educator and host of the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast and author of the book SOS, the technology guidebook for parents of tweens and teens. Get the answers you need, keep them safe, and enjoy your kids again. She empowers moms of tweens and teens to break free from feelings of isolation, overwhelm, and self-doubt, and help them foster a sense of support, confidence, and a strong bond with their children. So we hope you enjoy our interview with Cheryl. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids. and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode will tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Hey, Cheryl, it's so good to see you. Everyone else could hear you, but I have the pleasure of seeing you. (laughs) So welcome to the podcast, Cheryl. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've known about you for so, so long, and I've admired the work that you do. And when you came on to the Happy Mom Summit, I was overjoyed. I'm like, oh,
1: my gosh, we have Cheryl Gould. She's like a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) The expert in teens, teens and aches. This is what we need. Because I can't tell you how many times in my head I'm like, I wasn't like that when I was a kid. I wasn't like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yet we all know I was. You just have to ask your parent, right? They either say, oh, my gosh, yes, you're getting, you know, you're getting it back. and Or they'll say, no, my mom will say, no, I don't think you ever were like that.
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> My parents, my mom does that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't remember this, mom. I I apologize to her all the time when I get attitude from my teen because I'm like, I am so sorry. You were doing the best you could. I am so sorry.
1: Agreed. I think that the best way for you to really appreciate your parents is to have a teen or a young adult. Toddlers, preschoolers, they are hard and so are elementary and middle schoolers. But once you get to those teenagers, I can't tell you again, like Joanne just said, how many times I've called my parents and been like, I'm so sorry. Remember that vacation you took me on to the lake and I was just a real bee the whole time to you guys, no matter what you tried to do to make me happy? Yeah, I apologize.
2: Because <laughs> I get it back all the time. <laughs> and it's so good to have that perspective because then we we need to remember what we are like. And I think about some things I'd done when I was that age and it is helpful In a way, thinking like, okay, my kid's doing something similar, but gosh, I was doing those kind of things too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. With teens, and when we're talking about attitude and ting angst, it's so interesting to see like the skills that they are missing when you have these arguments with them. So, like, I was talking with Brie about we went to Europe on vacation. We just came back this week and I got into a little tiff with my daughter because she wanted to go take pictures by the Eiffel Tower at this really picturesque spot that she saw on Instagram. And so she mentioned one day, mom, I want to go take pictures at the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, sure. Thinking, okay, the Eiffel Tower is right there. Let's go do that. But it was a specific spot, Cheryl, and she did not communicate the specific spot. And we woke up at six to go to the spot. She didn't know where this spot was, and she
1: blamed me for it. She's like, well, I told you I wanted to go, mom. And I'm like, Oh, we're missing some skills here, child.
0: (laughs) 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 Like like figuring out directions and
1: knowing a point on the map that you want to go to and how to get there. And and, and realizing that a street can be very long. Can be very long. (laughs) Can be miles long. Because
0: what happened is she Google mapped it and we found the street. But then we got to the place and we're like, "But the Eiffel Tower is that way!" No, it was a long street. (laughs) then we had to walk 20 minutes in the opposite direction to find this exact spot. But you got it, which is gorgeous. But yeah, teens hand that to you because you think they know what they're doing. Yeah, and then you find all
2: these skills that they are still missing. Well, I love that you're talking about the skills that they're missing because we don't think about it like that. Like you think about learn to wear deodorant. Like, they haven't done that before. And then we get mad that they're forgetting to put on their deodorant, but it's not a habit yet. Yeah. Or uh-huh. they tend to not, they, they're not planners because that yes, prefrontal cortex is not working fully. And so... It sounds great. I'm going to go get this picture taken. And it's going to be like that Instagram picture. But they don't think it through that, oh, this might be difficult to find or exactly where is this? Also, right, like they're also looking at their past experience
1: and years before mom and dad planned all that stuff for them. So
2: things just magically happened with minimal effort. So, oh, I and that's such a good point because that's why it becomes Joanne's fault it's <laughs> my fault it was my fault because she she mentioned it two days ago in one little snippet of
0: conversation and I should have had it done by now
2: <laughs> yeah she's she's you know gonna take you there but they're in this big transition where yeah. they yeah. this independence and they're gonna do it and if you try to help them do it then they're mad that you did it but then when they can't do it then they're mad at you and it becomes your fault Yes! It's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the
0: prefrontal cortex because just being reminded of that fact has called me down a little bit. And I'm like, that is why it happened. There's no planning that exists yet. Okay. <laughs> and I can get, and I can center myself once again. <laughs>
2: How long did it take you
0: to find it? I'm dying to know. We left the hotel at 630 and we had to cross the Seine to get to a bus stop. And we rode a bus 20 minutes to this place that we thought it was. And then we walked 10 minutes to the place. We were like, oh, not the place. Meanwhile, I haven't had breakfast. And I was so, so happy that I told my husband and son to just meet us at the cafe because my son would not have got along with this. (laughs) (laughs) He would have like erupted. And then it took us 20 minutes walking along this street back towards the Eiffel Tower to find it. So I would guess an hour total. Oh, my gosh. I love it. It was a good learning experience for her in terms of what we need to plan for and for me to be like giving her the grace of she doesn't have these skills yet. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick break. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before. And when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters when you're not looking, and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But if you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance.
1: The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are.
0: The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for
1: eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt.
0: in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Or just click on the link in our show notes. But you, you, Cheryl, you've been doing this for over 15 years now, coaching parents for
2: help with their teens. I'm curious, how did you get started? Well, I got started from my own experience trying to raise my tween, my, my oldest, who is a girl who tomorrow will be 33. So... I have learned. You have been through it. Yes. Learned a lot. And she was tough. She was strong-willed. And she was moody. And we were butting heads. And I wanted to fix her. And something was wrong with her. And I took her to therapy to fix her. And then they would bring me into the room with her. And it became very clear that I was a big part of the problem. And I ended up meeting with a therapist. I'm like, OK, I realize a lot of this reactivity is me. And then that therapist had a mom's group that she led. And she invited me in that mom's group. And it was life changing. I mean, it. I got in there. I cried through the whole thing, <laughs> the whole first one, because they were talking about their struggles and their challenges. and. They were so real and transparent. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And so then the therapy practice asked another mom and I if we would lead a group at the therapy practice. So we started a group there. And I loved it because I just saw these moms like they're not alone anymore, they're not the only ones. And then all of a sudden, so many things started turning around in their families. And so it just grew from there. Then I started leading groups outside of the therapy practice on my own. And it really became a niche where I didn't start out that way, where it was going to be moms of tweens and teens. But it became that because I found all the moms were coming where moms had tweens and teens because a lot starts bubbling up when they hit the tween years. Yeah. A lot is happening. And so- that's how it started. And then somebody said, you should start a website. And then it just grew from there. So it's been amazing and very rewarding. Like you both know, supporting moms as well. It's yeah. It's just. Yeah. And moms, when they realize that they're not alone, it's like a light bulb
0: goes off because you don't put so much shame and pressure on yourself thinking that everybody else has their lives together, but I'm the only one. And so that sense of community is so important for moms to have.
1: All I have to say is that all that TV, Full House lied to me when I was a kid. Because I thought that was going to be like having kids. Like if there was a problem, my kid would maybe get a little bit of attitude, but we'd get it all fixed. And at the end of the argument, they'd come and they'd hug me and we'd be like, oh, life is wonderful. Liars. Liars. Liars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not what having a teen is like at all. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I thought, I'm not going to repeat those patterns that I grew up with in my family. And I'm going to do it differently. And then it was like, wait, this isn't supposed to be happening. Right. No. Because we
0: repeat what we went through. It's like an automatic response. But If our parents were reactive with us, we weren't shown any other way to be but reactive. And it's just It it triggers it, especially when a teen comes to us. They're like, this is all your fault. I can't believe you didn't do this. I told you about this or what you've written about. I hate you. It triggers all of these horrible things within us,
1: right? And don't we also think that we're doing it wrong? Like you said, Cheryl, I'm going to do it differently than my parents did. I'm going to do these things all differently. So when those attacks come out... Or the, I don't want to call it a tax, that's actually the wrong word. I'm sure you would know a better term for it, but like emotional outbursts. There we go. (laughs) When the emotional outbursts happen, we think that we must be doing something wrong, right? Because we're doing it differently than our parents or we're trying to. And so it must be our mistake that it's happening. And you've shown us that it's not necessarily that.
2: No, I think it's really easy to take it personally. And... I think that we have a lot of beliefs that we bring in from our childhood. And those beliefs, even if maybe we're trying to react differently, like one of mine was, you're not allowed to talk back or you are bad that you're talking back. Well, then you have a middle schooler, high schooler, and all of a sudden they start talking back. And that was breaking the rules big time. And (laughs) yet what I learned is, No, this is a kid that is developmentally, they are arguing because they're trying to develop their own voice. They're trying to figure out who they are separate from you. I love Lisa Damore. She calls it, they're trying to brand themselves. Yeah, Yeah, they're doing their own personal branding. And I love that. I'm like, yes. So they're arguing more. It really doesn't have so much to do with us. And my daughter was angry and there were things that she understandably was angry about. But I was spending a lot of time trying to shut that anger down because that anger is bad. And in my family, yep. you just stuffed it. So, yeah. Do you think that anger is bad is a gender thing,
0: too? Like, for women, anger is bad. But for, like, boys, was anger acceptable?
2: I That is such a good question. And I do believe there's something... I'm wondering what you think, Brie. I think there's something to it with girls. We have different rules and you're mm-hmm. supposed to be more agreeable. You're supposed to be nice. You're supposed to be, you know, just don't be too much. And uh-huh. don't... I even heard you both talking about on a podcast where it's like there's certain things we're just supposed to play a little smaller, just tone it down. But I found, you know, boys, my son would get really defensive and he triggered me too when he would get angry. And that was hard for me to know how to take care of myself because he was a male, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I don't, you know, it it was like, how do I take care of myself? Because he's a guy. And that seemed to be hard for me. Wait, tell me a little bit more about this because I don't I don't understand
0: why it's different because he's a guy to take care of yourself as a parent versus the girl. Like, what was your thinking at the time?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Even as I say that, it makes me think about, like, what was that? I think it was, well, one thing, you know, I lost my dad at 10. And we're talking about kind of how our childhoods can impact how we are. And so I think that I was looking a lot for his approval. You know, I was always kind of seeking men's approval. And so I think that I have put, and i like to believe I don't do that anymore, but I think that I do do that because he's a boy and he's my son and now he's 30 and I can still have some of that with him and it looks different than having daughters. But I think that I was looking for his approval in a different way than I was looking for it for my daughter's. And and then I also got bullied as a kid. It was usually males that I got bullied by. So if he was mad at me, I would feel he might be kind of like felt like a bully to me. And then I didn't know how to stand up for myself. So then I would just get mad and maybe yell, which wasn't effective either.
0: I see that. Yeah. And it's so much about how our past and how our childhood and upbringing really does affect our parenting. And we have to consciously rewire the ways that we think about behavior and look inside, really, to see how we're reacting to change things. And one of the things that you mentioned, especially when dealing with teens, I think all kids, though, have this, is this connection and communication breakdown that you might have and you might not realize you have it. So what are some signs that there might be a connection, a communication breakdown with you and your team?
2: Well, I think that when you were talking about kind of figuring out how am I feeling, I think that (laughs) we tend to come from a place of what my kid is doing versus just slowing it down and saying, how am I feeling? And one of the little dashboard lights, I call them, is if we're parenting a lot out of fear, Uh, Which I think that it's that is one of the big things when you have a tween or teen, you start having less control because they are pulling away and they are becoming more independent. And so because of that, I think that we start reacting more out of that fearful place and then we want to control. And when we're trying to do that, our tween or teen is going to be more resistant. They're going to feel us coming in with that energy we're going to want to control them, and then they're not going to like it. And they're going to resist and rebel that much more. And so, yeah, communication barriers come up. We'll be right back after a quick break.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. An active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of
0: five-star reviews, use an ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order use code noguilt
3: this episode is
0: brought to you by visit williamsburg
3: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want?
0: Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's a good point that you make about us parenting through fear. I know I do this a lot with my daughter whenever I see her on Instagram. And especially all the work that we we do in social media, and of course you probably know Cheryl because you wrote the book on social media and teens, literally. And I I see that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so afraid that these apps are drawing you in, and that you are just looking for that next dopamine surge, and you can't stop. And trying to turn my fear into a discussion instead of a control, but that takes a lot. Of work and almost resistance, like I have to resist what I naturally want to do in that situation. Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah, it does take a lot of slowing down and paying attention to okay, what is happening inside of me that I'm wanting to, you know, ah, <laughs> it just feels like, ah! and <laughs> control them and yeah, just slowing it down and paying attention is really. Important, And we can become more skilled at that. I've definitely over the years become more skilled at just checking in with myself and noticing. And we're not always going to do it perfectly either. And it's interesting because when you do slow
0: down and when you do talk with your kids about this and have that communication, which is what I love in your books, you give parents so many prompts about how to start these discussions, especially revolving around social media but you find that there's stuff going on that you didn't know was going on. So for example, when I, I went into my daughter's room the other night, and she was on her phone and her bed. And I'm like, I'm so worried that you're spending so much time here. And she's like, mom, I just spent 60 minutes stretching on my floor and you just came in
2: three minutes ago. And this is my break. I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because you're fearful and And it's understandable, too, because we don't want them to be on their phones all the time. And it's understandable. And that's why I made so many conversation starters, because I really wanted this book to be more relational. Because if we're trying to control them around the technology, then they're not going to be talking to us as much.
0: Uh Yeah, it is all about
2: the relationship. Why did you decide to write the book? I decided to write the book because it was coming up all the time. It's just, it's such a pain point. And so much is always changing. I mean, you think about TikTok. I mean, it's just, there's, there's always things that are changing. And now we have AI and there's just all the time. It's just rapidly mm-hmm. changing. So there's a lot that moms are feeling scared about. And I wanted to write a book. That was more aimed at seeking to be curious, to understand where they're at, what they're going through, and to have some of those good conversations with them, where they're going to be more open to hearing, to paying attention to how they're feeling when they're on social media. We want our kids to be able to eventually... Where they can notice like, oh, I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at all these feeds and there are girls they their bathing suits or boys, you know, they're they're working out or whatever. And I'm not feeling so great. <laughs> and so that they can start noticing how they're feeling. Or I've been gaming for seven hours, not feeling so great. That's what where we want them to get to that point where then they can start self-regulating. And we can't really do that without the conversations. And also, when they're exposed to content that doesn't feel good, like you know, bullying, cyberbullying that's going on. So, what do you do when that's when you see that happening? How do you respond? How do you handle it? Yeah, having all those discussions beforehand. Yeah,
1: let's let's just or during. Yeah, (laughs) let's just grab a little snippet right there. What would be a suggestion for when? your child is dealing with that, where they're getting cyberbullying and it's not feeling right. What is something that a parent could work on with their teen in that scenario? Sorry, I'm totally just throwing this right out at you.
2: Fastball. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I Well, if they're telling you. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. If they're telling you that it's happening, it's huge. And what we have to do is when they come to us and they tell us that's been happening, then that's, again, it's so easy to react out of that fear. And mama bear comes out and, oh my gosh, you just like want to be on the attack. You want to find out exactly who it is yeah. and what they're doing and, and call their mom and tell them that their kid is doing this. And so we have to, all those reactions are normal. Of course, that's how we feel. And then to remind ourselves that we're here for them to hear what's happening and what's going on and to listen. And so once they've talked about it and just like, "Wow, what what happened?" You know, so you get curious what happened and then they can tell you a little bit more and then what did you do, you know, when that happened? And then you can get to the point where how can I help? How can I support you? Sometimes Now, cyberbullying is cyberbullying, you know, sometimes, and that's serious, sometimes it's a little bit of joking that doesn't feel good, or a jab that, you know, a kid will give another kid a jab in front of other kids on social media, and it's, and it hurts. Sometimes that will take care of itself, and it'll work itself out. So that's where we want to coach them. We want to find out, has this happened before? How long has this been going on? And allow them to talk about it. How are you feeling about that? And then be able to come up with a plan of what to do about it. And then hearing from them what they think they want to do about it rather than just jumping on the phone and calling mom. Right. Cause like yeah. we want to fix it all, discussing it. The mom, <laughs> the mom
1: and you, like that we talked about before, like how plans can go awry. And it's because mom and dad used to, I was going to say mom. Mom used to plan everything, so it's somehow mom's fault. We feel that internal guilt, right? That something's going wrong with our kids, our babies, even though they're teens. Somehow it's, we should be fixing it, but we can't always, and we shouldn't always. Yeah. No. yeah. So your book
0: is called SOS, the technology guidebook for parents of tweens and
2: teens. Where can people get it? you can get it on Amazon. You can get it wherever books are sold. You can go to the Moms of and momsoftweensandteens.com website and you can purchase it on there. So yeah, awesome. And we will have a link in the show notes, of course, for the book. So thank you so much, Cheryl, for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I love you both. And you're just, it's so much fun to get to connect with you.
1: Oh, thank you. We love you, too. All right. We shall talk again
2: soon. Okay, great. Thank you so
1: much. We were talking with Cheryl
0: about the book title she has and how I cannot remember my own book titles sometimes because of how long. So I asked her if she has trouble, too, and thankfully she said yes. So I
1: feel like I am not alone. In this. What do you know? Not only did Cheryl make you not feel alone as a parent of a teen, she's also helping you feel not alone as an author. I love it. I as love an it. author. <laughs> it's funny because when you feel like you write a book, you're like, oh, yes,
0: I wrote a book. It is my thing and I should know everything in it at all times. And you're like, no,
1: no, you don't. You forget the title. You forget what you wrote about. I can't remember what I wrote down for my notes five minutes ago. I don't have any books that I have written, but if I did, you can guarantee Brie would not remember the title. I'd be like, the one about the thing. I'd be like a Seinfeld episode. You know, the one about the thing that, yeah, the thing. (laughs) It's
0: true. It happens. But you should definitely go get her book. It has so many discussion starters that you can use with your own child so that you really get that communication a lot stronger so you can stop reacting out of fear. And
1: develop a closer connection, which is really what we're all about here at No Guilt Mom as well. Yeah. I mean, all age groups, I think, are tough. And parenting by teens and tweens are definitely a slippery slope.
0: They're hard, definitely. Remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by.